Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Superlight Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Superlight shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot code SUPER24. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, Syracuse fans? Mike McAllister from AllSyracuse.com with episode 69 of the Believe in Syracuse podcast presented by Bet Online and Hoffman Sausage Company. I am here with Sammy, Josh, and Emily once again to talk about all things Syracuse, men's and women's basketball, men's and women's lacrosse. We are going to start with a positive. We will get to men's basketball. So for everyone looking to hear more venting and frustration and complaining and why everything is terrible and the zone is awful and all of that stuff, we will have plenty of that for you. But we're going to start on the happy side, which is women's basketball team has won their last couple of games of the regular season. They beat Miami. They won at Pittsburgh and avoided a, a bad loss on the NCAA tournament resume. And now they are set for the ACC tournament. Here's how this shapes up for Syracuse, and we'll kind of go around the room here to talk about their chances in their first game, what it means for the NCAA tournament, et cetera. But they are they are the nine seed. They are locked into the eight nine game, even though they have a bye. Unlike three other teams that have a bye, their opponent is known. Every other game other than theirs plays the winner of the first day's games. Their game is against NC State. Both of those teams don't have to play in the first round. Syracuse played NC State earlier this season, took a nine-point lead into the fourth quarter, and lost by two in the Dome. This is a game where it, it appears from everything that we read that NC State's probably pretty safely in the NCAA tournament. Syracuse is right on the bubble of last four in, first four out, depending on you know your perspective on, on the you know respective resumes. So a win over NC State on a neutral court would seemingly solidify their spot in the field. That's why it's such a huge game. If Syracuse does get past that game, they get the top-seeded Notre Dame Fighting Irish in round three. Emily, we'll start with you. Your thoughts on Syracuse's draw, the importance of this game, and what it means for their NCAA tournament chances. Basketball is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. 
Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. Yeah, so this is, I wouldn't say it's a good draw, but I also, they could have been a lot worse. I, I think that 8-9 is right where they belong in the ACC in terms of the way they've been playing, the way their season's gone. But NC State is also a beatable opponent. We had them beat. We lost because of a botched inbound. That's why we lost that game in the dome at that, like, it's a very winnable matchup for the Orange, especially since NC State has fallen off since then. They're no longer ranked. They were the number six team in the country when they came into the Dome. NC State's season has kind of fallen apart a little bit. They're still a very good team. They're not the team that we played in the Dome. However, it's a pretty unlucky draw to get Notre Dame, a team that beat us both times if we win that game. But what I like right now is that the NC State game is much more important because Syracuse, as of right now, is the last team in in NCAA's projected bracket, in um, ESPN's NCAA projected bracket, last team in. You beat NC State, a solid tournament team, you solidify your spot in the field. I think that's a pretty safe thing to say. Regardless of what happens against Notre Dame, who has a chance to legitimately be a one or two seed, that's a. it doesn't matter. You're supposed to lose to that team. However, NC State, you beat NC State, you're in the tournament. That's how I see it. Uh, They're in a very fragile position right now. If they lost to NC State, they would need some luck to stay in the tournament field. Uh, But no matter what, Syracuse is getting a postseason because if they don't make the NCAA tournament, they're in the NIT. And no Syracuse women's basketball coach in program history has ever had a postseason in their first year. Coach Leggett Jack would be the first to do it. I was curious about that, and I looked it up. She would make history, but this time as a coach, which would be pretty cool. So either way, this team is going to play in March, which is a huge accomplishment given what they were last year. But this game against NC State, it could put them in the tournament if they were to win. And that would be that'd be huge. And this team has earned it with the effort they've put in. And as she mentioned uh, during a recent postgame press conference, they're finally healthy for what seems like the first time in a while this season, which I think certainly helps. And you know, to, to put that in perspective, the first time a first-year head coach has brought them to a postseason, it's not like she took over a program that was winning 20-plus games a year, right? When Quentin Hillsman was here, they were winning 20-plus games a year, making postseason on a regular basis. But they had that whole situation with him and off-the-court issues, and then he resigns in the middle of an investigation. They give it over to Von Reed for a year. Uh, they lose a bunch of players. And it just kind of went through last year. It was a very odd year, and they had a losing record. They weren't very good. Even the better players on that team, most of them left. So she had a complete rebuild. And to get them to the postseason in year one, whether it's the NIT or NCAA, I think is is pretty darn impressive. So we'll see we'll see how this plays out. But I certainly think, um, Josh, that you know revenge is going to be on their mind, and then they have to shift their focus. Right as a former athlete. Going from regular season to postseason certainly, you know, shifts your mindset and how you approach the game. 
No, definitely. So, you know, Emily, you know, she was at the game, you know, watching the game. You know, it was a it was a hard fought game. You can't come out of that game and think that NC State, the game that they played early in the season, when NC State was, you know, top six team in the country, you couldn't come out of that game and say that either team was much better than the other. So, like you said, you have that, that added level of intensity, you know, um, going into the postseason, um, you know, fighting for your, your um, NC tournament, you know, life. Definitely uh, go, going to just to secure as many wins as possible. So it's a it's a uh, it's a good mixture of factors, I would say. So a team that you know you kind of can um can be that last cog into your NCAA tournament you know resume. Um, like I like said, they're they're um it would be a better win, I guess, on paper than what their team is suggesting that they're playing like right now. And you know, again, even when they were at their best, quote unquote, it's not a team that you're intimidated by at all. So you know, if it if that has if this has to be the win. To get in the NCAA tournament, um, I'm not against it. You know what I'm saying? Not at all. It's an A nine. Yeah, and, and and I think Sammy, you have to, you know, it, the positive for Syracuse going into this game is you control your own destiny, right? Because everything's in your hands. So if you don't beat NC State and you get left out of the tournament, then, you know, you had two chances to beat this team, one of which you had them up nine going into the fourth quarter at your place and didn't close the deal. Um, So you really don't have anyone to blame but yourselves if you can't finish this. But at the same time, you go into this saying, we're at the postseason, records are, are reset, and it's up to us now, right? So it's it's right in front of them. They control their own destiny as to how far they can take this thing. Yeah, and I, honestly, the thing I'm most convinced by right now is the fact that NC State played Pitt, who Syracuse, I don't even know how to describe that win. It was a 30-point win. It wasn't close. It, it was an impressive showing. Um, and they had four double-digit scores. It was one of the more complete team performances we've seen from them. I know Pitt's not great. But it's, it's a good team win, something where you saw a lot. They scored over 80 points despite not having Georgia Woolley. Like it was, there was a lot of positives for Syracuse in that game. Very next game, final game of the regular season for Pitt, they play NC State and only lose by five. So there's a big difference in the quality of those performances, teams against Pitt put together. So that's where I'm thinking just in terms of current form, current momentum, I would say it's a little more in Syracuse's corner, especially I, I don't think we maybe – I don't want to give roses for the win against Miami necessarily, but it was a really quality win and a really good win considering they were coming off of two less than desirable performances against ranked teams, um, including a disappointing fourth quarter along that way as well, which I know has been an issue on and off. So I've overall think that Syracuse should win this game. I I would say more is pointing in their direction than is not. But I do think you make a good point that there is a lot of onus on them. It's in their hands. They either win or they don't. They're, and no one is expecting them to go and beat Notre Dame if they do. I, I don't know. I will celebrate. But I don't no, – no one's put, picking that to happen. And no one in making the NCAA tournament field would expect that to happen. But when against NC State, I think, as Emily pointed out, would really put them pretty safely in the field. Um, so I, I personally like their chances. But, again, it is all on their shoulders. And and it's you know it should be noted also that the site of the tournament just like the men's is in Greensboro, so you expect a pro NC State crowd, right? It's it's almost a de facto road game to some extent. Um, but again, I I think the teams are pretty evenly matched as as Josh said, you know, was kind of proven earlier this season, and uh, you know Syracuse maybe has a little extra motivation as they're kind of playing for their postseason lives. To your point, Sammy, you know, going into that game against Notre Dame, if if they do beat NC State. 
it's the postseason. Things weird things happen in the postseason. We saw Virginia Tech is you know sort of a, a middle of the pack to to bottom feeding ACC team in in the men's tournament last year end up winning it and going to the NCAA tournament. No one saw that coming. Uh, weird things happen in the postseason. So uh, Syracuse played Notre Dame tough for three quarters in both of their games. And then, you know, things got away from them in the fourth quarter, but they're healthier now. They've got a dynamic player in Daisha Fair who can take over games. You never know when you get into those situations. So we'll see how that plays out. Now, from all of those rosy things and positives and the greatness of Felicia Leggett Jack to maybe a little different attitude towards uh, the men's basketball team after three straight blowout losses, um, everyone is cracking their knuckles and ready to pile on. So let's do it, right? Things that no one has heard before. Let's complain about the zone and everything that's going on with the basketball team. I'm going to let you three go first. And then, um, you know, perhaps uh, since everyone thinks that I'm a, a Bayheim homer anyway, maybe I'll play a little devil's advocate. We'll, we'll see how that plays out. It's tailgating season and no one does it better than Hoffman Sausage Company. Beer bratwurst, jalapeno cheddar sausage, kibasi, and bun-length chicken sausage. Add them to the menu with classic German Franks and snappy grillers, and fans will go wild. Proudly made in New York since 1879, when you bite into a Hoffman, you experience a little bit of upstate history. Taste tells, Hoffman is a proud partner of Syracuse University Athletics. Uh, we're going to go right back to you, Sammy, because you seem very eager to talk about this. Uh, most recent game at Pittsburgh was close for a half. They gave up 62 points in the second half and gave up 99 in total in uh, the worst defensive performance of the season in terms of points allowed. And again, 17-point loss there after a 20-point loss to Duke and 20-point loss at Clemson. The floor is yours. Why? I The first thing I want to say is, why even win the NC State game? Like, she's such a teaser. <laughs> just got, got our hopes up. You got us all excited. Three-point win against a solid NC State team leading up to Duke. You have Clemson and Pitt on the other side. Three really good chances to improve that resume. Uh, we're 0-3. Um, but... Again, there is some positives to point out and I, on the individual level, not on the team level, because this team is not playing good basketball at all. Um, but Judah Mintz continues to be fantastic. Him in the second half of this season has been as good as, I would say, majority, if not mo- all point guards in the uh, in the ACC. Um, you're getting semi-consistent production from um, Gerard. He had one bad game recently, but for the most part, he's been pretty dialed in. Very little. Um, you saw absolutely nothing from Justin Taylor. And he's one player who I really like and would love to see get in a rhythm, but that was a brutal 17 minutes from him. Um, Jesse showed up to the game this time, so that was good. But overall, I see myself, and it was literally what I just did, just examining individual performances because I don't really have anything productive or constructive to say about the team's performance as a whole. The zone isn't working. And it's not that the zone doesn't work. It's when that's the only, it's the only crutch you got defensively. It becomes easy to pick apart and you used to go to the man. Um, and man defense is not that complicated. My middle school team ran it very well. Um, I, I, I just don't want... This team just makes me scratch my head a lot. I feel like that's the best way to say it. They have more tools than they they, they let on. There's a lot more talent and a 
potential here than the, than the results indicate. And the disappointing thing is the results against quality teams, against good teams, because they'll do fairly, if not very well against bad teams. And then, and even against decent teams, but it's just the, the eggs they lay against the, the better teams and disappointing performances. They make you them look like the bottom feeder in the ACC when they go up against a pit in a Clemson. Well, and to your point about the um, good teams versus the bad teams, they don't have a bad loss in conference, right? They they, they didn't lose to a Louisville or or that they got Georgia Tech oh, coming almost. up. So I say this, right? They did almost lose to Louisville. Knock on wood for me. They didn't lose to Louisville. Uh, they didn't lose at Georgia Tech earlier this season. You know, they beat Florida State. So they swept Notre Dame, swept Boston College, um, but. They they let so many opportunities earlier this season against Miami and North Carolina and Virginia and even Pittsburgh in the dome early in the season slip away that once you got to the end of the regular season, you had to win all of these games, right? Because if you had North Carolina at Miami and either Pittsburgh or Virginia wins in your back pocket, then you know, you're looking at a 19 and 10 Syracuse team, even with these three losses. And I think they're viewed a lot differently, but you don't win those games. Then you end the season getting blown out three times in a row. And it just sort of all snowballs on itself. Um, Josh, I'll, I'll, I'll let you go next. And the floor is yours anywhere you want to take this with the men's basketball team. Um, I'm glad to have a team that I can actually watch that's, you know, solidified for the most part of the tournament. Shout out to home team KD Tigers. You feel what I'm saying? Um, I mean, Sam, he's a good speaker. He's wearing the same program. He's pretty eloquent with his words. I'm not going to go behind the same thing with him. I mean, honestly, the only thing I really will challenge is that because I do feel kind of the same way when you say, like, this team is – I get the result is bigger than the sum of its parts. But, like, really you're looking at, at this point, the only legitimate NBA prospect is Judah Mintz. And for me, as a just a – you know, basketball purists having grown up under Penny, Penny, just watching the game and loving the game, even though my body told me to play D tackle. Like this, they they have like they're as talented. They're the eighth or ninth or tenth most talented team in the ACC, and this is this is what it plays out to be. So, you know, that, like you said, they got a guy in Judah that you know is looks like an NBA guy if he ever gets a consistent jumper, but you know. Not a lot of talent. Jesse Edwards, have you ever seen him post, try to you know make a post up? Not aesthetically pleasing. Um, Chris Bell, Benny Williams, both, I guess, highly ranked. I, we thought they were kind of loosely around, but highly touted guys that are definitely underwhelmed. Um, Joe Girard, I think he's been much maligned at this point. So as we, we talk about, you know, these parts with this six-man recruiting class. And, you know, I just think that, like, I talk about this all the time. In basketball, the concentration is so much higher in talent gap. Like the difference between a four-star and five-star guy, even the guy, the the 50th best guy in the country versus the 25, 25th best guy in the country is such a big gap in basketball. Whereas football, like five-star, four-star, you know, it's just harder to recruit. But in basketball, when you have these rankings, there's not a lot of guys that these these upper echelons. So we don't have a lot of guys that have topped in the recruiting list. You know, we had a lot of guys, but we had a lot of Spare parts, and it's looking like a bunch of spare parts. So, you know, until we have another guy that, you know, like a Judah that can really be, you know, somebody that can be lead a team, be the face of a team, and consistently produce in that way, um, we'll still we'll be running on on neutral. This thing will be well to your point. Uh, Syracuse was picked, I think, ninth in the league to start the season, and they are 
sitting at ninth in the league right now. So uh, if you want to say it's a disappointing season for Syracuse, um, I'd say maybe it's right on par with what expectations were preseason, uh, but according to some people. So maybe, maybe not. Uh, I don't think that's going to stop the vitriol from some, but um, just thought I would point that out. And to your point about Judah Mintz and, uh, you know, improving his outside shot, he is eight for 10 from three in the last four games. So he he has shown improvement there. Uh, Emily, I will uh, let you take the floor on wherever you want to take it with this team. Yeah, so I was at Clemson for that absolutely atrocious loss, and it got to the point where all I'm sorry. Oh, it was brutal. I had a great time in Clemson. Clemson's a great little town, but it got to the point where all you can do is laugh because I'm sorry. How do you continue in the two three zone when Hunter Tyson puts up 29 points on you, including? five made threes how do you stay in the two three zone he's a good scorer sure fine 29 points is obscene to stay in the two three zone it it just it it got it gets to the point where it may have worked 10 15 years ago but college basketball has evolved to accommodate three-point shooting college players can really shoot the three now and that's something that the two three zone has not accounted for it hasn't evolved the same way that shooting has in college basketball you got to adjust and these two games have proved it I mean it's it's getting embarrassing at this point but to the point about Judah Mintz yeah he's absolutely the only legitimate NBA prospect on the team but he is not an NBA player right now he needs another year to develop and to as you said keep improving that three I was floored when he went four for four from three at Clemson. I was really, why weren't they feeding him more? Let him shoot it till he misses. Maybe we would have stayed in the game. I don't know. But Judah's the only legitimate NBA prospect. When you're in a conference like the ACC, you got to have at least one or two guys that are professional level. Jesse's nowhere close. When Jesse doesn't show up, this team gets annihilated. We've seen that clearly. He didn't show up at Clemson. Joe Girard is one of those players who's good in college, he's going nowhere professionally, right? Maybe he'll go to Europe for a few years, but that's it. That's it. That's really, that's all we have. Um, And it's, it's painful because you see all those four-star, five-star, all of that thrown around. It doesn't translate. These kids have not made the adjustment and it's, it's why Syracuse is losing, but I think a big part of it is because they are stuck in this archaic 2-3 zone. Have to move. <clears throat> college basketball has gotten to the point where college players can nail five threes in a game. We see it at least 10 times a week. Something has to change if Syracuse wants to not get 99 dropped on them by a team that, quite frankly, if they were playing man-to-man defense, they could have kept themselves in the game potentially. Okay. So I'm going to take all these comments and throw some things that are going to agree with and disagree with some of the things that have been said. So the first is um, to the point about the defense, they've given up over 90 points in two straight games in the last six games, five of those last six games, Syracuse has scored at least 73 points. If you score at least 73 points in conference games, you feel like most of the time you're going to win those games or be right there, right? Um, And yet in three of them, they were blown out. So that, again, speaks to issues defensively. Now, as far as the, the zone versus man thing goes, 
here's here's the problem that we all run into. So there's the it can't be worse, right? Than dropping, giving up 90 points in back-to-back games, tons of three-pointers and high shooting percentages and offensive efficiencies, lots of assists, all of those things. However, you always run into a problem when you say it can't be worse, and then you try something. It always can be worse. Trust me, I've seen enough bad basketball. It can be worse. But we don't get to see practice. They do practice, man. Beheim says, for whatever people want to take this for, that they played man, they tried playing man and installing man all summer, all fall. They were far worse than they were in zone, so they don't play man during games. We don't know whether that's true or not because we don't see practice. So we have to at least take that into account, right? That perhaps he is seeing them play man and goes, good Lord, yeah, we're not great at zone, but holy crap, we're going to give up 150 points we, to, we, to Pittsburgh. We have to games. address the bias that he would, already, he would be very predisposed to already be saying, no, let's because he, he would be changing versus ninety nine percent of coaches are coming. That is a fair point. Coming from perspective, that is a fair zone, point. So he would be having to change from zone to man. That it is a fair point to point out that he has played zone for so long that he could be predispositioned to uh, perhaps not wanting to work on man to improve it as much as work on the zone because he's his own coach, right? Um, I'll also say this for me personally: I'm still not anti zone. I am anti only zone not being able to switch to man for stretches. So changing it up once in a while, whatever the case, because I still think the zone can work even in modern college basketball. As Emily pointed out, the game has changed even in the last 10 years. Teams have more shooters than they ever have before. The three point line has actually been pushed further out than even 15 years ago by a couple of feet, which you may think that helps the defense because teams are shooting from further away, but players are better at shooting from further away than they ever have been. And it spaces the floor more, which means your, your, especially your wings and your center have to cover more ground, which makes it, which widens the gaps in the zone from what it used to be even 10 to 15 years ago. So that's something else to consider when you're analyzing zone versus man. The thing I'll point out is, In the first half against Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh scored 37 points. They were shooting 37% from the floor, 20-something percent from three. Syracuse defense was really good in that first half against Pittsburgh. It's the same Pittsburgh team that scored 62 points in the second half. Now, it's the same zone. Yes, Pittsburgh, you know, they make adjustments in whatever the case is. But the zone was not as aggressive. It was not as active. The rotations were not as crisp. I think as much as perhaps they have a scheme problem that some are going to mention, I still think execution is a big issue. And that points to the talent issue that you guys have all mentioned. When Syracuse's zone has been at its best historically, they have typically had long athletic guards at the top of the zone. You think when they went to the Final Four, when they had Michael Carter-Williams at the top of the zone, right? 6'6", 6'7", as a point guard, really long, And that team went to the Final Four because they had one of the best postseason defensive runs in NCAA tournament history, getting them to the Final Four. And if not for a bad charging call on Brandon Trish, I think Syracuse is in the national championship game. They play against Louisville. Who knows if they win that game or not? But that's a whole separate side story. Uh, The point is, they don't have that. And they really haven't had that for five, six, seven years. So could the zone be better if some of these six, seven, six, eight wings that they have now that are very young and inexperienced and still learning some things, you have a Judah Mintz who's six, three, six, four, you combine that with a six, five, six, six guard instead of a, you know, six, one Joe Girard. Does that make the zone 
more applicable to today's game because you have some more length and so you can cover more ground you can get more deflections and cause some steals you know i i think we still have seen the zone work at times this year but it's the when your only change is press and you can't you know pittsburgh comes out of halftime they're coming out and making all these adjustments to the zone you all of a sudden throw man at them for three possessions I mean, that's going to throw them all out of whack. They're not going to know what to do. Everything that they talked about was zone. If you all of a sudden throw even a slightly below average man at them for a couple of possessions, I mean, that that can get them out of rhythm. So, you know, I I don't know what the situation is with teaching man and getting, perhaps it is really, really bad and whatever else, but then maybe going into next year, they have to alter how, how it's being taught so that they do have the ability to go to that for at least a few stretches. So the question is, what do they do now for the rest of the season? Nothing nothing is changing as far as the defense goes for the rest of the season. So we can talk about it all we want. It's not changing. The only chance it has to change is going into next year um, with you know guys getting perhaps more experience and then deciding that they're actually going to play it next year. Who knows? Um, but they've got two games left in the regular season. And if they've got any chance of making any type of a magical run in the ACC tournament, they got to win these two games, try to turn things around defensively, and and hope it gets better. Um, the the one positive from the last game, you guys mentioned Judiments. We all know he's unbelievable. Was Benny Williams showed a lot? I think in that game against Pittsburgh, scored twenty three points, made four three pointers. He was aggressive. He was active. Um, if he played like that all season, I think Syracuse probably has three or four more wins, honestly. Is uh, him playing like that is kind of what I think Syracuse was expecting going into this season. It is just a difference maker. He he has a potential to be a difference maker on both ends, but we'll see how it plays out with the last two games of the regular season. All right, now back to some positives. Syracuse women's lacrosse, another blowout win. They blow out Pittsburgh, first road game of the year, first ACC game of the year. Check off both of those boxes. They are now 4-0. The only team that's been close to them is number three, Northwestern, who Syracuse beat by a point. Everyone else, including top five Maryland, has not been even close to what Syracuse has been. Um, Rather than dissecting a game where they beat a clearly inferior team, I'm just going to go around the room and let everyone give their thoughts. Is Syracuse the best team in the country, or does defending national champion North Carolina still hold that banner until and unless they lose a game? Uh, We'll start with you, Emily. Yeah, I was there's I was at that game against Pittsburgh. I really did not expect it to be as insane as it was, to be completely honest with you. Um, I, I thought Pitt would at least put up like seven. Um, that was not the case. Um, it was it was brutal. However, I think that that debate cannot be settled until those two teams play head to head because both of them are such just juggernauts. Like they are they are the blue bloods of women's lacrosse it's ridiculous it's unc deserves number one until syracuse beats them that's that's the way i see it because i don't think anyone else is going to beat them i think northwestern or maryland would have a chance i don't know unc schedule i don't know if unc plays either of those teams syracuse has proven that they're better than both of those teams um and syracuse is going to play top five stony brook this season i believe so that's going to be a tough game syracuse has proved themselves more than at um, UNC, I would say Syracuse embarrassed a top five Maryland and beat 
a top five Northwestern UNC, you know, they've, they beat Florida. That's uh, a good win, but uh, I believe they beat Florida. It's either them. Yeah, they did. That's what I thought. Um, but I think that debate can't be settled until they play head to head. It's just so difficult to judge it, especially this early in the season, which one's better given who Syracuse has played um, and who UNC has played until ACC play starts and, or those two teams play head to head. Very difficult to say that Syracuse deserves to overtake them because they've played just as well. Um, screw that. I'm going to say it. Um, Syracuse is number one. Um, but no, I mean, in all seriousness, uh, North Carolina does play at Northwestern, um, later on this season, uh, March 19th. That'll be a fun game to watch. I think to kind of compare how they played against Northwestern compared to what Syracuse did. Um, but I'm personally disappointed that Syracuse's game against North Carolina is not in the dome this year, because I would have loved to have gone to that game. Um, either way, either way, April 15th in Chapel Hill, it's going to be on ACC network, or I'm sorry, it's going to be on ESPNU. Everyone's going to want to tune in. It's going to be fantastic. They are both absolute juggernauts. You are dead on correct. The one thing I'll point out that's in Syracuse's favor, North Carolina has scored, has scored more than 15 goals one time in four games. Uh, they've played number 12, James Madison, solid team. Number seven, Florida, as you said, solid team. Liberty and Virginia Tech. Uh, none of those teams are legitimate powerhouse national championship caliber contenders. Syracuse has played two teams that are legitimate powerhouse national championship contenders. And Syracuse has scored more than 15 goals in all four games. I think Syracuse's offense is deeper than North Carolina's. Now, North Carolina's goaltender is fantastic. It uh, is I think she- the hardest goalkeeper to score on in the country. Yes, uh, uh, Alicia Nicholas. She's she's uh, saving almost sixty percent of the shots against her. I mean, she's she is Syracuse can be much better, much deeper offensively, and she can keep North Carolina in a game. So we'll we'll see how that plays out. And you know, I think face the draw controls are going to be huge in that game. But uh, quickly, we'll go to Sammy and Josh. Uh, we'll start with you, Josh. Uh, your thoughts on uh, Syracuse versus North Carolina as the best team in the country? Um, you know what I'm saying as a former player. Guard, I told you that I was Luca in the past life. You know, I'm very accustomed with distributing to others, and in my new modicum of the way I, in my career, that means going to people that are smarter than me, that know stuff that I'm not you no know, knowledgeable about at this moment. So our good friend and friend of the podcast, Tiger Munn, you know, plugged me with a little bit of a lack, lax knowledge because I did ask the same thing. You know what I'm saying? We were killing top five teams. I was the best team in the country. So he did. He kind of explained to me the dynamic that. Vanny just laid out in terms of you and uh, us and UNC kind of being the, the top two juggernauts. But he did explain to me, you know, I've the, seen the highlights myself, that we potentially have uh, the best player in the country in Megan Tyrell. So you feel I feel like, you know, as somebody that knows sports enough, the, the big ones, I can feel like these concepts translate across. We have obviously like a balanced attack, you know, with somebody that can be a dynamic number one. That's a pretty hard thing to beat because, you know, like I said, it's not if – if the NBA has shown anything – you know, elite shot making, you know, good, good D, better offense. Like that's, that is a thing. So even talking about, you know, UNC's elite scorekeeper, you know, I've seen Megan Tyrell, she's out here shooting behind her back and all that. So, you know, it's, it, it'll definitely be a thing. But, you know, even the, again, a lack novice, I'm, you know, even just talking about it, it seems to have like a lot of storylines, a lot of different, you know, compelling guy, you know, um, a great score against a great goalkeeper, you know, kind of clearly the two best teams in the country. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really, I'm excited as somebody that hasn't watched a lot of women's legs, but you know, knowledgeable about it. And, um, it seems to be a, a two man race for the national championship. So, you know, not a lot of parody, but always good, you know, with Q's repping and to see, you know, just some really talented athletes. 
Sammy, who's better, Syracuse or North Carolina? Uh, I plead the fifth. Um, so wow. that, that's a are, fair answer. That's a fair answer. I'm in. I'm in the. I'm in the same camp as Emily. I am big believer of head to head. Prove it to me. And until UNC proves that they aren't number one, or Syracuse can head to head prove they are number one, that's that's what I'm going to wait on. But you you bring up the goaltender goalkeeping, and I bring up the same point that Josh brought up: Megan Tyrell. I mean, UNC doesn't have Megan Tyrell, so I, I feel like that's they don't have a player on their team that already has eight goals and 11 assists at this point in the season. That is stupid numbers. Those are, those are ridiculous numbers, but they also Syracuse has two goal scores this season that already have eight goals between Tyrell and Carney. They have, I would say six legitimate goal scores in Tyrell, Carney ward, second Tyrell, um, Adamson and, and Baxter. So the, you talk about the potent. I don't think we even we said like they might have the most potent offense in the country, and I still feel like we're underselling it. So I, I would hesitantly say I think Syracuse should be or could be number one. It is the best team in the country, but they have to earn that title. The title isn't theirs until they prove it. Yeah, that's that's a, a fair point. I, I think if you're the defending national champion and you're number one, you stay there until you lose, and and then you know we'll. We'll see how it ends up playing out when when they face each other. Thank goodness that they're in the same conference so they get to play each other, right? Instead of having to wait until potentially the Final Four National Championship game uh, to see that. I, I have a weird feeling Syracuse and North Carolina are going to play each other three times this year. They're going to play in the regular season. They'll play in the ACC Championship game, and they're going to play in the National Championship game. If everyone stays healthy, that's, that's how I see it playing out. We'll shift over to men's lacrosse. Uh, there's not a ton to say here, but real quickly, how big of a setback is it to follow up the loss at Maryland to a 19-13 home loss against a good but not great North Carolina team. Sammy, we'll go right back to you to start. Uh, I'll be pretty quick. I will say it was a pretty big setback because I thought they were completely outclassed in that game. The one step forward is that they were much better on faceoffs, so at least there was a little progress in that area because that was atrocious against Maryland. They were still somehow in that game. Um, but I would say almost everywhere else across the field, I was disappointed. Like the offense just didn't have, and they scored a, a decent total at 13, but the offense just didn't seem to have that same punch and they couldn't keep pace with UNC. And as good as Mark has been all season, that them, him and that defensive unit had no answer at some points in that third, um, beginning of that third quarter, I, I feel like, um, Actually, not the third quarter, the fourth quarter. I just didn't see much from Syracuse defensively. Like even when UNC wasn't scoring, they were getting to the net very easily. And whether for Mark or really good defensive play, just an errant shot, like they were getting away with it. But for the most part, UNC just seemed like the better team. Josh, your thoughts? About as I actually watched some of this game, if I'm saying trying to trying to learn something, be better every day. And uh, it's crazy that you say that you say that word outclass, Sammy, as a guy that loves sports but is new to lacrosse. That was the first word I thought about too. Like I couldn't understand all the concepts. You feel what I'm saying? I really didn't understand what was going on, but I was like, oh yeah, the team in blue is clearly better than us. Like you said, it just seemed to be just the movement, the aggressiveness of offense. I was like, and like you said, even the score wasn't too bad, but I was like, this team looks a lot better than us. So um, at the end of the day, um, you can't keep saying that it's good to get this experience losing to a top 25 team like this. At some point, you have to turn these moral victories into actual ones. And until we do that, um, my daddy loves to say potential gets people fired all the time. The team has a lot of potential, not a lot of results. Emily, your thoughts? 100% agree with your dad, Josh. Uh, that's 100% true. Um, potential does get people fired. A lot of talent on this team. A lot of people that can put up 
I don't know, three goals a game on a good team. I don't want to say this was a major setback because UNC is still a ranked team. They're a good team. But this is certainly not good for Syracuse. You don't want to lose this game at home by six. You want to lose this by three or less, especially at home. Uh, but I think face-offs are just – Syracuse is killing themselves. They're beating themselves with face-offs right now. They got to get somebody who can win just at least 50%. Bare minimum, go just split it. It's so bad. The number of goals in lacrosse that are scored right off the draw control – it's essentially the equivalent of an easy fast break point in basketball. Um, you, you you can't win games when you're getting killed on faceoffs, and that is my biggest takeaway. I wasn't able to watch that game because I was driving back from Pittsburgh, but we were following it. Faceoffs were just horrific. You, you, you can't have that. You cannot have a team that loses that many faceoffs. You're not going to win games. Yeah, the, the ability to do make it, take it in lacrosse is always what's fascinating me about the sport. And so if – Syracuse can have a fantastic offense and it doesn't matter if they can't ever get the ball. And they struggled mightily defensively against a really good uh, North Carolina team. But, you know, as, as good as the defense and goalkeeping was in, in the first three games, the talent differential between those opponents and what they faced the last two weeks was, was so large that now you're wondering how much has the defense really improved from last year. So we'll see, we'll continue to track that the rest of the season, but that'll do it for episode 69 of the believe in Syracuse podcast for Sammy, Josh and Emily. I'm Mike McAllister and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.